You are listening to The Fox, a podcast novel written and read by Arlene Radaski. Chapter 13, Jana, A.D. 75, July I readied the dried grass under my cape for sleep, Bethan's bronze bowl next to me. Rona brought back a small roasted fowl, bread, and two containers of a drink on a wooden plank. A mug and a small cup of clear liquid sat balanced next to the food. Here is mead to quench your thirst and the infusion for sleep. I used only a drop of the oil, as it can also cause death. What is the name of this plant? I asked as I ate. There are many that cause death, but few that will also allow sleep. Hemlock. Tales of ancient use came with it. Drink it after you eat and are ready for sleep. It will come soon. The oil is bitter, but I mixed in honey to sweeten it. She pointed to the package on my cloak. Is that the gift you take to Bethan? Yes. I adorned it for him, I said, handing it to her. The oak was the tree that he adopted for his family. She nodded as she unwrapped the soft leather. It is a good gift, one that will honor him for all time. Rona stayed with me as I ate and drank the bitter infusion. I laid down, enveloped in the odor of the ponies and the peat smoke from the dwellings that surrounded me. It was but a few moments until I fell asleep and dreamed. I stood watching from a distance and saw the stone dwellings, the homes of Hay's clan. People moved quickly, gathered food lay in bundles and weapons glinted, tied to the backs of ponies. Men and women were readying themselves for battle. Loud shouts rang from dwelling to dwelling. Hay's war chariot stood outside his lodge with two ponies throwing their heads in impatience. Hay stepped through his doorway and behind him came his son, Yanrug, and Hay's wife, Nairn. Yanrug was older than when I saw him today, but not yet an adult. Both he and his father were bare-chested, and their faces and bodies dyed woad blue. Limewater stiffened Hay's black hair. Bronze and leather shields, swords and dirks were strapped to them. I felt excitement and fear. Hayes spoke. The king has called us. We must go quickly, Nairn. I must take those who can fight, and I choose you to guard the children of those who go. We will come back when the battle is done. We will have a celebration to honor Morigna. May the goddess protect us. We will chase the invaders off the land and will be rewarded by our king. Be glad we go. In the shadows I saw the white hair of Rona, Hayes' mother. I turned to face her. Bent in grief, she cried out, Have I not given enough of myself? Must I lose also my son and grandson? Many ravens flew overhead, and I shivered. No one answered her. The stone dwellings were empty. Moss grew on the fallen rocks that were once walls. Roof slates fell into the centers of the lodges. Heavy dust covered the fire pits. A cruel winter wind blew Rona's white hair around her face to catch itself in her tears. I woke with the bitter taste of the infusion in my mouth. I had not had dreams of the man I knew and feared, but instead I had a vision of a future I did not want to know. 
Rona sat near me, touching my shoulder as I sat up, the dawn's light just reaching the village. "'Your face twisted with a dream,' Rona said. "'I am sorry. I thought you would not dream of the man who haunts you.' I could not tell her that I dreamed of her son's death. "'Rona, do you know where Bethan's tomb is?' It was still dark as I wrapped my cape around me and picked up the bowl. "'Yes, I have visited there. He was a man I respected in life as well as in death. "'Will you take me if we both ride my pony?' I am ready to go now. I do not want to wait for Finley and Kenrick. They will come later. We rode a trail that was steep at times, but my pony never faltered. I was seated behind Rona. We spoke no words. We communicated by touch. The sun rose hot on our backs, and we stopped at a creek to wash and drink. We would eat after the gifting. Bracken and blooming heather surrounded the trail. Crossing a moor, I could see the hills that were the feet of the stark mountains behind them. The hillside where Bethan's body lay buried was a mountain foot, covered in creeping juniper and blue harebells. Color filled the spaces between the quartz-filled granite rocks and boulders strewn about the ground. A clean smell of recent rain was in the air. Rona sat holding the pony while I slowly climbed to the entrance of the tomb. The side of the hill was steep and covered in loose shale. I carried the bowl, a small piece of peat, a coal from last night's fire, and a live pigeon Rona had given me. I finally came to the ledge in front of the entrance of Bethan's tomb. I stood, caught my breath, and leaned on a large boulder that had been rolled to block its entry. I could not get in, but that was not important. I would leave the gift outside the entrance. Bethan could see it from the other world. I dug a hole using my hands and small sword. As I lifted the bowl to the sky, it caught sparks of sunlight and reflected the color of Bethan's hair. He was watching. His hand was warm on my shoulder. Bethan, I cried, a gift to you for the gift of my life. You exchanged your life for mine. I honor you and say you will be in my heart forever. We sing songs about your bravery and drink toasts made in your name. The last tears I cried for Bethan fell as I continued. I offer this bowl to bring you happiness. May you drink mead from it. May you dip honey from it. Watch over us, your clan, and the clan of your wife. I feel unrest is coming, and we will require the help of the gods. Please make them aware of my request. I called, remembering my dream. I tucked the bowl wrapped in my cape and the soft leather snugly into the hole, covered it with dirt, and rolled a large stone over it. The entrance looked undisturbed. After gathering small twigs, I retrieved the live coal from the moss it was nestled in and blew on it until the twigs caught fire. The peat began to smolder. I laid hemp on top and the smoke began to writhe around me. I unwrapped the pigeon and held it securely in my left hand. I lifted my dirk to the sky and called to Andraste and Caswalion, the goddess and god of war. Hear me, O god and goddess! If we must fight, make us victorious. Help us defeat our enemies. Help those who die in battle cross the river easily. My dirk found its way to the pigeon's heart and blood began to drain from its body, covering my uplifted arms. The smell of the blood, the mixture of the sweet hemp and acrid peat smoke, carried me to a passage dream. I looked through Ain's eyes at Bethan's open tomb. To be able to see it through hers and know our life story continued was a blessing 
from Marigna. Bethan would be remembered as a warrior and chieftain. Tears came to my eyes with this understanding. I willed her to find my bowl. I took her to the stone and watched as she lifted the bowl from under it. I saw the oak tree I had engraved. She held the bowl I made up to the sun. It reflected the color of Bethan's hair. I knew then she would keep Bethan's memory alive. My heart filled with peace. I paid my debt to him, and Bethan was a fair man. He would forgive me my guilt. Now I could forgive myself. Jonna, Jonna, are you well? We awoke before daybreak and found you had gone already. Finley and Kenrick knelt next to me on the ledge and spoke at the same time. Logan was slipping his way up the hillside. My fire was out and the pigeon blood dry on my arms. My passage dream was gone. Yes, I am well. I pleased Bethan. I smiled at both of them. Thank you, thank you for bringing me here. We can go home now. Logan clambered up to the ledge just then and touched the stone, covering his grandfather's grave. He turned, grinning at his accomplishment, and was ready to go down just as fast. His quick slide down was followed by our evenly measured footsteps. We spent another night with Rona's clan and continued on our way the next morning, before daylight. Arriving at our trail, I looked up at the gate of our hill fort. There stood a sentinel waiting for us. The sun was in my eyes and I could only see that he stood like a warrior, tall and straight. The hot summer breeze wore the smell of crushed acorns and bees. My heart lurched in my chest. I gasped. I knew who the man was. I could not go up the hill. I slid off my pony's back. Kenrick leaned over and scooped my pony's reins and Logan. He and Finley rode on. They stopped at the top of the hill for a moment. Both the tall man and Finley exchanged words. Kenrick nodded to him. Mouth dry and moist hands, I waited. Laverne turned and walked to our home. I followed, limping up the hill with trembling legs. I had forgiven myself for Bethan's death, but could Laverne forgive me? Please join me again for another chapter of The Fox by Arlene Rudaski. Now enjoy the music of Steve McDonald's song, Celtic Warriors, from the Sons of Somerled album. His music can be found at www.etherean.com, who along with Steve have allowed me to use the music in my podcasts. Learn more about The Fox at www.radasky.com. Farewell to this 
Oh, oh, oh.